The people who work at Walmart are getting fucked. The people all the way up the chain to all the different people that don't even get full-time benefits, they work part-time at less than eight bucks an hour or close to minimum wage. They don't have any other opportunity in the life of small town Georgia where I live. Either that or you go work for the fucking corrections department. Yeah. That, that does, that's a lot of counties in Colorado. You, know, you got the Walmart and you got the prisons. No, dude, my cousin went to work for the corrections thing. He quit the other day. You know why? He made it up all the way to tactical support where he was, like, taking all these, like, extra crazy steps to be, like, the best of the best. Did a great job with it. Guess what? He had to deliver somebody to be executed. And he came home and just broke down and quit. Wow. He didn't drive him. He sat in the back with him all the way up there to a dude that's about to be executed. And when he came back, he's like, man, I can't do this that's shit. A, that's a wrap. That's it, dude. He was done. His whole career, he just gave it up in that day. I'm not doing this shit. So his other job now is what? Walmart. At whatever. And no benefits. And you're not going to do anything. When you turn 47 from working there and eating all the fucking bullshit junk food from there and all just nothingness of it all, you're going to have heart problems, you're going to have no insurance, and you're going to fucking die. I have a we have a special guest this week, but I have a question of him first. Do you remember in 2008 when that really not very bright dog that you adopted almost got me shot by, <laughs> by your neighbor? By your neighbor, you you found that dog because you thought it had manifested in a dream or some shit. And we, I, I think I was trying to call him Marcom, and you were trying to call him something else, and. He was really sweet, but he had no collar and did not know its name. Do you remember this? His name was, um, his original name was Lost, but he was um, somebody that I know had him and kept him in the truck. Oh, I don't remember he that. He was a, uh, is a, is a blue pit bull. And he almost got me killed. And it, the dude kept him in a truck because he couldn't take him where he lived. It was an apartment. So the dude, the little dog had stayed in a cage and my friend, I just had to tell, you know, you're a fucking dickhead and give me the dog. So then... I thought you just found him wandering around. Then, well, there was two dogs, and I don't know which one could have killed you, but Butter Butterbean was the fat, big one that just doesn't care. We had, you know, the, the land that we were at had that shocker thing all the way around it. So if a dog comes up to the edge, it shocks the fuck out of him. The dog don't even give a fuck. It'll just stand there like... All he knows is when I found him, you had a you had a neighbor, and he'd walked onto her property. She didn't know what was going on, and she's just sitting there, and she pulls the pistol out of her purse, and she does not have real good muzzle discipline, and she's just kind of pointing it around. She's like, you get him out of here. I'll fucking shoot him. And I'm trying to call the dog, who doesn't know his name. And's dumb. <laughs> Hopelessly dumb. And, and I walked him back up the, the, the thing, like 10 years of time. Come on, dummy. Come on, dummy. Until I finally got him back home and I told you what had happened and you were only momentarily amused. We're going through old stories here with... Uh, with Dude, the- well, let me just say one thing. Okay, okay, okay. Butterbean. All right. At one point, I lived in this mansion that had these, like, brick second-story decks that were higher than a regular deck over a lake. And Butterbean, I left him at home, saw a bird, 
and thought he could catch the fucking bird and jumped off the deck into midair and tried to eat it. I don't. I didn't know this happened, but then landed fucking whatever a deck is plus three feet of extra brick, and you could see where he landed in the grass and tore his whole rotator cuff. So I take him to the doctor, right? They gave him painkillers, so I brought him home. And he got on the painkiller and fell asleep and was the happiest fucking dog you ever saw. But he was in the front yard in the grass, just like passed out, like with his arms and his legs just spread. Just, just spread. <laughs> and he did that all day. And the next day, he had sunburn on his pee-pee. <laughs> and Butterbee was not a happy motherfucker at that point in time, dude. Oh my god! He was one of the best dogs I ever had. So, so we are uh, uh, recounting tales of uh, dogs I have known in Georgia with my special. I'm I'm Fator the Tainted. So with with me is my old colleague Nemesis, uh, the Death Rocket. I, I love the Death Rocket. He's an entrepreneur, wild man, and intellect. And, and the why I like him is hanging out with him is like getting to play with one of those animals you usually see on National Geographic. So, But anyway, it doesn't matter because here we are. This is Breakup Gaming Society, home of America's least responsible board game group. This is not a long podcast. There are no inside jokes. It doesn't take two and a half hours to listen to it. We're going to do three things that are very simple. We're going to tell you what we're drinking tonight. We're going to tell you what we're playing tonight. And then we're going to uh, recommend a hip-hop track for you. That's it. And and we're also going to hear some awesome stories about dogs. So I'm Fator here with the Death Rocket. We're going to be back in just one second with Drink of the Week. Cheers. Drink of the Week. Hello. Welcome back. You heard the bumper. We're doing Drink of the Week. Week. Wink. Week. Uh, this is Fator the Tainted. I am back with my old colleague, and nemesis, the death rocket. <laughs> and today, so my my Armenita, um, it was her birthday a few days ago, and apparently she's been drinking a lot of fucking mezcal. And I said, could you suggest a good one? She says, I've never had a bad one. I said, that's not too helpful. So I bought this because it's got a fucking owl on it. <laughs> All right? It sure does. Uh, so we got El Bujo Mezcal, product of Mako. On the back, it says... N-O-M-0-1-1-0-X. It's right under the logo, so it must have... Is that the batch? It's probably the batch number to signify it's small batch, maybe? And it says distilled from 100% espabine agave. So um, all we're going to do is just taste this some bitch and, and, and see what kind of beast we're contending with. Death Rocket, may you fight long and well. Well, hello. That's a lot of different things going on in there. That's delightful. Now, I, I could be out over my skis on this one, but I believe to be called a tequila, it has to be made from blue agave. But when you're getting into mezcals, I think they can make a mezcal out of any agave they want, which is why they talk about espabine. I don't know whether that's imparting the, the character I'm sensing here right now. What? What are you going through over there, dog? Well, there's a lot of different notes and flavors. It's not just like a heavy hitting tequila that just knocks you on your ass. It's uh, uh, you could actually start pairing this with different types of foods and stuff because it's just there's so much context in there. I mean, 
It's, you can actually do a lot with it, and you don't just have to get fucked up on it. And what I'm getting is it, it's smoky as hell, but it's light-bodied. Smoky that it's clean, and then there's like a, a shift in flavor from second point two to point six. Yeah. Some shift in there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not able at this moment to dissect it properly, but I am. It's pretty good, though, actually. I might kiss this bottle, <laughs> and I might marry it. <laughs> you don't believe me? <laughs> I'll wake up in Vegas with that thing. <laughs> and it's El Bujo? El Bujo. Oh, that, and actually, this brings up an important biological question I meant to ask. Is it legal to have sex with an owl? <laughs> it's a 100% agave owl. Okay. Cause, cause so, hell yeah. The reason I ask is uh, at night where I'm renting right now, there's an owl that's like sometimes shows up on the tree outside the door, and I, I think it's down to fuck. Do you know how to hoot like an owl? No, I just wave my genitals in the window. So close your eyes and then... Uh, All right. All right. Oh, my God. You're going to steal my owl from no, me talking you like can, that. No, if you can roll it, they'll come to you and look at your ass because they think you're another one. And it'll be, it'll come closer and closer because it'll answer your call. Just roll a little bit on the top of the thing. We do this out of the farm. And then all of a sudden that bitch will be pretty close to you. Those big eyes staring at you, and you're like, I'm going to the fuck inside. Wait, what What? what kind of owls um, hang out near your farm? Barn owls? There's the um, blood, There's many kinds. Yeah. I don't get to see they're them. They're the one, the... Fuck if I know, dude. We call them the hoot owl. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're big. They have a lot of white on their chest and brown. And um, I guess they would be just a barnyard typical owl. See, see. But they're pretty large sized. They're about this big. Ooh. With a wingspan, that's, that's what scares you. When they do that last little flicker before they land, you're like, this motherfucker's badass. And then his head goes, whoop. You know? <laughs> you're like, yeah. Well, uh, th- that's awesome because I was, my I started off with a lame, lame bit about interspecies sex, which was stupid. But you saved it because you... We're actually talking about owls now, which is not bad. Well, um, look, dude, the coolest thing you could ever do is be in the woods, in thick trees, walking, and one flies over you. They don't make noise. No. They're absolutely they've, silent. They've, and yeah. they're, the stealth mode on them through the trees, would, you'd think there'd be more rustling because they have to adjust and turn. It's just like... And it's not like, a noise. It's like, it's like a fucking electric car now. Uh-huh. No, yesterday, you know, a Tesla drove by me. It's raining a little bit during the fireworks, and, and there's just one coming through because everybody's on the street just lighting them off. Those fucking things are just as loud as a regular car. Have you noticed that? I, Electrical. I, I don't pay attention. Well, there. Yeah, anyway. I noticed that last time. I'm, I'm bring that up. Anyway, uh, so back to the topic at hand. What we usually do to round out these segments, Dr. Is we all will uh, will uh, give them a rating and. The, the rating scale is arbitrary. I think last time I gave it like 20 diapers out of five starfish or something. It's, it's dumb. But um, I would drink this again. I'm I'm fascinated. Yeah. I think uh, it's a, what is it, four or five hoots. Four, on, <laughs> on a scale of how many hoots? No, that's it's pretty good. I'm not really into much tequila or this. Yeah. Um, but I'm telling you something, I would actually buy this again. And it's a nice little something to sip and kick back with. 
I agree. Let's and, dude, I'm telling you, with some green chili or something like that, this is fucking off the chain. There's a lot of flavor notes here that are they're complex, and you could go with the right food and have a... Well, tell you what, in a month I'll come out to the farm in Georgia and you'll have a chef do a pairing menu of like five mezcals and five different courses. That sounds cool as fuck. Alright, it's a date. May you fight long and well. We'll be back in just a second with Game of the Week. Game of the Week! D- don't get put off by that that, that, that at all. Alright. Uh, I know it looks, that's a intimidating stack of cardboard all right, right Uno there. Uno challenges me. That's one deck of fucking four-year-old things. Uh, I, I, all right. I'm, no, I'm happy. I'm just complaining because that's three fucking boxes. What kind of games do you play, dude? I, strategy games. I have it written in my will that if I ever suffer traumatic... I want a fucking 12-box game, please. <laughs> <laughs> Me and my friends would like to play a 12-box game. <laughs> three box are just not doing it for <laughs> intellect. The, the, there are a lot of expansions to this. You can actually pack it out in a... In a in, you're, you're getting ahead of me. I haven't even talked about what the fucking game is. Right, We're going to be back later with Game of the Week. Welcome back. It's Game of the Week. I am Fator the Tainted, back again with the Death Rocket. So this is a really good night because we're going to play one of my favorite games of all time called uh, Dominion. Now, um, it was designed by a guy named Donald X. Vaccarino. During the late 2000s, you know, six, seven, eight, nine renaissance of board game design. Matter of fact, the game mechanic was so original, it created its own genre. It's called deck building. In a deck building game, you start with nothing. And you have to eventually build your own hand of cards with complementary effects. So that by the end of the game, you have a hand that's only your own and runs good enough to beat your opponent. The neat thing about Dominion is there are so many expansions is that there are zillions of possible permutations out of what cards are in the supply. And the neat part about the game is trying to figure out which cards you should buy first and why. It's really an efficiency game. And if you're good at math and very competitive, Death Rocket, there are blogs where you can read analyses with spreadsheets where they say, if this is the first 10 card set, uh, according to my extrapolations, these are the cards you should buy on turns one through five to accelerate your engine. Fortunately, I'm bad at math, and I just like to buy cards and go around, but Death Rocket, we're going to learn how to play Dominion because I've tried to suggest it in the past, but for some reason, John, a.k.a. he, she who thirsts, uh, my most generally reliable co-host, for some reason, every time I say Dominion, they make a face. But I think it's a beautiful game. So we're going to play it. You game? Yeah, I'm game. I have a question. Why um, Why so many boxes? And how many more boxes could you buy? I'm looking at three large boxes of the game. How many do they have? Um, at this point, I don't even know. More than five more? Easily. Ten? That sounds about right. So you could have thirteen of these things to. Except there's put. there's ne- there's never more than ten cards in the supply, which is millions of permutations. The fun part is is sitting down and figuring out who who can figure out the best buying strategy through these supply of cards. So if we're in a town like, um, 
Tulsa, Oklahoma. The death of Black Wall Street. But go ahead. How many Dominion players are there? Just guesstimate. So it's not a. It's, we're not in San Diego, or we're not in San Francisco, or we're not in some. Well, uh, what's the population of Tulsa? Oh, I don't know. Let's just pretend like it's one point two. One point two million. Um, you'll probably have twenty people who are uh, who have an abacus in their brain <laughs> who'll murder you at Dominion, and and probably a thousand people who you know who know how who know how to like do the turns. And that's your only goal tonight: just figure out what to do on a turn. But I'm guessing is once here's the magic for me is I like to randomly pick sets pulling out of my three expansions. And I'm glad you asked because there's also Dominion Seaside, Dominion Dark Ages, and and each one and each card enables a different strategy. But we're just going to and I found that for my tastes, just having three boxes is plenty to contend with. Well, there's pro- there's probably you're there's probably yeah. We can play for a thousand years from those three boxes. And, and never see the same set twice, probably. <laughs> uh, yeah. And and it's still around. They're still releasing. There's uh, there's alchemy. There's guilds. They introduce new strategies, uh, new new card sets. and uh, But I have the, the base game. Mm-hmm. I have to say, if you have just the base, it'll get boring. But once you can mix it with at least one other, other set, I have Intrigue and the uh, Prosperity set. Which uh, increases a whole new uh, introduces a whole new level of coin, but what I'm, death? I got you. I'm looking forward to this. This is Death Rocket saying that uh, says on the side two to four players, thirty minutes in a thirteen years old or older, which yeah. means that maybe I could play this game. So let's do it. All right, uh, we're gonna give it a try and check back in with you later. This is uh, Fator the Tainted and Death Rocket signing off for now. Hey, welcome back, Death Rocket, my friend. So now you have recorded your first ever game of Dominion. Yeah, Death Rocket here. That was a fun game. Learned a lot. I'm not really a... I don't really play any games, but this was super fun. There was strategy. There was um, a lot of diversity in what we were doing and what I was learning. There was... uh, some cool fun when you get like a, a bunch of different like runs where one card could lead you to two more to lead you to three more and then there was the bankroll kind of run where you just kind of kind of um mm-hmm. tune your deck in to have a lot of money yeah. and i like that because you know that's what i do for a living uh, and, <clears throat> and and by the way if you know if you're ever out of uh ideas you can always run just big money strategy i like and, big money strategy that's what i that's what I and, did. And, and yeah. uh, um, among people who blog about hardcore Dominion strategy, they say unless your strategy is more efficient than big money strategy, you don't have a strategy. So basically, if you this this would be yeah. fun. So uh, so uh, Death Rocket was a great sport as we, as he figured out what kind of you know hands to buy and how to do um, actions, buys, and, and discards, and, and basically how to manage the hand. So next, we're gonna either try to play the same set again to see if we discover new strategic nuances or we're just going to randomize a new set and figure out 
who can who can do the best now that he's he's had a little taste about how it works. But but basically, Rocket, if you do nothing else for the first six turns, but buy the maximum highest amount of money you can. Um, this big money, I understand that. Yeah, and, and then the other thing is efficiency. What I don't like is to do is overspend on this game, because I'm also cheap, because I I work for my money very hard. So one thing I don't like doing is having six um, silvers and spending it on a a two, you know, card. Well, well sometimes that, but you have to sometimes. So, but sometimes that's the psychology of it. Sometimes it's to your advantage to go back and buy the three cost card because it's good for your mid or end game strategy. Yes. But you're fighting against your own mentality, which says I should buy the most I can for my money. So yeah, it's 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 a, it's a balancing game. thing, and yeah. it's a. Uh, you know, this is kind of like playing war when we were little at the beach. How so? With the cards where you just take two decks, and, I, right, and just play war. And you, what you're trying to do is strengthen your deck. And you hope to get rid of the, the, the low numeral cards and keep all kings and queens. And you just efficiencize your deck over time. And then all of a sudden you're just a warrior. You're, you're, and you're just like pounding the shit out and of everyone. And you know, yeah, you're going to pound them with aces, kings, queens, and they have. Nine and then they're going to go up to so much mediocre mediocrity, I guess, and then so, go back to being kind of. Actually, let me ask you this: when you when you played war, mm-hmm. what did you do when two people threw down an equal strength card? One, two, three, another one. So yeah, you're playing for six cards at that point. Yeah. And in either case, that was our first game of Dominion. We're going to be right back in a minute with. Uh, track of the week, which is going to be led off by our uh, guest, Death Rocket. Track of the week. Hey, this is Death Rocket suggesting a new song, track of the week. Recommendation is uh, Little Who? Um, It's Social House featuring Little Yachty. Yep, and he's killing it. On a, you know, pretty much bandwidth-wise, it's a popular song. I think that, um, for me, there's a lot of social, there's a lot of social implications with this song, and it's uplifting in a time where we kind of overthink social, kind of, who we are and who we're not, and some of the things that are kind of slowing our society down about caring about each other. But this song is light, it's airy. And it says, hey, a lot of us are looking for that next thing to try to make it and do something good and be with people that are like us. And it really goes back to, we talked about a little bit, The Great Gatsby and trying to fit in with people. Uh, and actually, um, and before the, and I've reread The, Jay, uh, the Great Gatsby. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, like all of us, if you were in AP English in the late 80s, you had to read it. Yep. And I've, re- I've reread it since, and my admiration for it only grows. And the first big party scene at Jay Gatsby's house mm-hmm. is, first of all, one of the funniest passages of literature ever written. And this is when you get to see Jay in his glory before he runs up against the class wall that crushes him. Nice. And this is where we're talking about Magic in the Hamptons, Social House. Let's listen to it. All right, here we go. Um, Magic in the Hamptons. And uh, I, al- I will also say, all politics aside, the production of this track is beautiful. There's some kind of a uh, weird uh, 
very catchy plucked string instrument that later fades into a clap track, but we'll let it speak for itself. Cause if it's gold, I'll throw it away You're worth more than every single chain It ain't gonna work if you don't want it to Best drink I take is when I'm sipping you You know where I go when we're dancing Handshakes in the Hamptons And getting drunk in the mansions with you And you look so classy Come through with that magic You know that I'm about to smash it, it's true Here's what I like about the track. One, again, it's hedonistic. But uh, if you ever go back, have you ever? When's the last time you read that party scene? It's fucking hysterical. The, the, um, yeah, it's, um, the last time I read uh, it was before I read Hemingway when I was in eleventh grade. Uh, uh, who, yeah, so it's been. A who's the uh, pro- protagonist? Nick Carraway. Uh, um, it's Nick. Yeah, he's writing the little house next to Jay. Mm-hmm. And he says, what do you say, old sport? You want to come to a party? And there's jazz, jazz bands. And, pe- and people. And it's also some of the funniest... If you ever want to hear some of the funniest writing ever, he talks about a part late at night where, like, all these nouveau riche and gangsters and musicians and flappers come to party with him, and one of them, like, wrecks a car, and, like, they cannot figure... It's hysterical. Here we go. That's perfect. So he's talking about this scene, today's world... Gatsby was talking about, right? And he's telling us how everybody wants to be part of that. It's about being part of the crew, being part of the circle, and having fun with people that respect you because you worked hard to get there and they've worked hard. But but yeah, but here, here, here's the tragedy of it because the, that party is echoed later in the scene because those monstrous, also one of the funniest lines I've ever seen, um, Nick Carraway is walking through the party and he sees a girl who's become so gassed up on gin. She's trying to sing, but she's uh, uh, crying and her mascara's running. And someone says, hey, why don't you sing the notes on your face? Nice. And, and it's like 10 pages of that. Of, and also talking about, but don't forget, what does Jay Gatsby want? Daisy Buchanan across the bay, who's old money. And little Yachty takes his chains off, says, you're worth more than me than any gold, and any taste I take is going to be of you, and it's about love. So here we go. It's about love. Not only love, but that that beautiful, beautiful night when... And he's recapturing that splendor of a night right there in his chorus. He does it so well. Hats off to man. He's he's redoing Gatsby. He's redoing all these things we talk about, and, and, and that's pretty cool for this kid. How old is he? Uh, no, idea. he's got to be early twenties at, at best. And he's doing all this. But but and the uh, harpsichord, he's taking it straight from the old mansions that played harps. But what what we don't know is who produced that fucking track because we we don't know. And here's what I found. Tell me if you agree. There's a lot of uh, like late eighties and early nineties rap where the rhymes. Don't hold up anymore, but the fucking production still carries it. And there were a lot of guys who were like okay on the mic, but if you put them with the right producer, yeah, I would agree with but, that. But 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 in either case, uh, it, it's 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 a fun fun uh, occasion. The to kid's doing a lot with those rhymes, with who he's in, how he placed it, what he wrote about. It spans for eons. But, I picked this song 
because it's not just about today. It's about decades of how everybody thinks, how we're all kind of the same, how we want to be involved and loved and to love others and have some fucking fun. And, and I'll tell you what I like about it. All right. It's not only because we both agree it's, it's, it's bubbly and well-produced, but it's also uh, that night of Gatsby's party before we run into the hard realities of class, and it's just a nice summer night, and you're into a girl, and you're going to party, which, I, which I'm down with. Um, but, uh, but True, though. But, but uh, as the party, but all those people that were at the party, when, uh, when they put Jay Gatsby in the ground, only Nick Carraway is there. Hey... And hopefully, little Yachty will be there when I'm in the ground. That's awesome, dude. I will do my best to make sure he's there. <laughs> I just um, Thank you, Death Rocket. Great track. May you fight long and well. All right. Thanks a lot, man. It was a fun night. I could take it to the room. I could take it to the beach. But we got to leave at 9 because I got to get my sleep. You could be there.